This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by CastBox. CastBox is my platform of choice when it comes to listening to podcasts, and it has been for over the past three years. I've been listening to podcasts exclusively on CastBox. I find it to be the most aesthetically pleasing and the most organized podcast app, and it seems a lot of other people do as well, with over 85,000 reviews on the App Store, and an average rating of 4.8. You can download CastBox on iOS as well as Android. And when you do, go ahead and subscribe to the show there. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Building Freedom. This is Jordan Paris. And in this episode, I've got my friend Kurt Mercadante on the podcast. Kurt is a coach. I don't often have coaches on the show, but the ones I do have on, I really respect Kurt helps executives, entrepreneurs, and wannapreneurs, entrepreneurs, shift their beliefs, clear their blocks, and align their behaviors to attract clients, relationships, health, and prosperous, free life they desire. Kurt has ran the big, successful agencies before he's done that, but now he's at an interesting place in his life where he owns very little. It's all about owning less and being more free. And ironically, as you'll hear me say in this episode, more stuff equals less freedom. And when we get into the final 10, 15 minutes of this episode, that's really what it becomes all about. Own nothing and do whatever the heck you want. That's what it's all about for Kurt. And that's what we talk about in this episode. And I love the perspective. So without further ado, Here's my friend, Kurt Mercadante. Enjoy. I'm grateful to be on the mic with you. Likewise. Yeah. Yes. Likewise. It's been a while. And I admire you. Oh, thank you. And your lifestyle, simple, free. Your journey is why I wanted to talk with you today. I know, I, I mean, I was on your podcast a few years ago, back in, right. you know, peak ego, Right. That was, that was that period of my life. You know, so many things have, have changed. You know, if I listened to that interview today, I'd probably cringe, <laughs> but nevertheless, gracious of you to extend the invite. I remember enjoying my time with you. We're on different sides of the table now. Now your book, you've got a couple of great quotes in it that really align with this podcast, Building Freedom. Cool. So number awesome. one is too many business owners build prisons instead of systems, right? They end up being enslaved by their business, as I like to say, right. doing the one thing that they used to love and probably 10, 12, 15 other things that they don't like doing and probably aren't that good at. And then the other quote is, it's easy to confuse numbers in a bank account for freedom. Right. Yeah. And I love that. So- Dude, let's let's get into it. We can talk about that stuff a little bit later, but let's start with I mean, where does your journey really start? You bring up my book and you know, you said, Oh, if I when you were on my show, I don't know, three years ago, probably at this point, two, three years ago. Well, it was probably definitely at least three years ago, because we, we we didn't have yeah. whatever has been going on over the last two years. Yeah, definitely three. Yeah, yeah. And uh maybe three and a half. You know, I feel sometimes the same way about my book. And I look at it and I cringe. Because ah, I do you, too. You, 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 you cringe at my book. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. that no, came no, out no, wrong. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, you know, it's, and there's nothing that I disagree with in my book per yes. se. 
it's that you used the word journey a couple of times. I was in a different stage of my journey and closer to what I would call that first awakening point that I had where I shut everything down, you know, four and a half years ago, uh, maybe a little over four and a half years ago, it was Thanksgiving week. I woke up on a Tuesday morning and I fired every single one of my clients. I was at peak revenue, seven figures, $30,000 retainers done. I just woke up and I'd had enough and I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know what was going to happen. I kind of knew what I wanted to do, but I was done. And some people are like, well, that's stupid. You should have just sold it off. You should have got, it's like, I talk to people who are in the same position and when you're done, you're done. I have that mentality anyways, for good or for bad. I'm dealing with some things now where it's like, I just, I just want to be done. When I'm done, I'm done. And sometimes I'm that way with clients for good or for bad. It's like, you know what? They didn't do anything per se bad, but I'm done. I don't know if you, do you know Josh Steinle? Yes. He had me on his show and, and published author. And he said, you know, if you had to change one thing about your book, what would it be? And without hesitation, and I hadn't pre-planned this. It was the first time I said it. I said, everywhere I use the word fight, which is a lot in the book, I would replace it with the word allow because I was still in that uh, fight, struggle, force mentality because I'd been in that for years. And I'm still one of my daily challenges or the daily challenge is getting away from that and allowing things and allowing them to surrender. And I, I read about my dad in, in, in the book and you know he passed away and I gave his eulogy and I talked about, I get the Dylan Thomas poem, poem uh, do not go gently into the night. And I talk, the entire eulogy was about my dad being a fighter. And if I had to change that, I actually, did he fight? Yeah, but we have to learn the difference between toughness and like stupidity or knowing when to fight and knowing when to relax and knowing when to, to mm -hmm. chill out. You know, there's so many movies about this, love them or hate them, like The Patriot, right? With Mel Gibson, right? He, yeah. he just wanted to be a farmer, man. And then it came to his doorstep. Uh, you look at, right. um, uh, what's the movie with Tom Cruise, The Last Samurai. You know, the samurai, they just wanted to farm. They just wanted to be left alone. And then you push them too far and then they're ready to fight. And that's a far different mentality. I mean, I was on Capitol Hill. I ran campaigns. I was on tier one U.S. Senate campaigns, all of that. A lobbyist. I was all about fighting. They sent me that, to fight. Is that what you were doing with your uh, PR agency? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, that's who you were serving. And, and I was in the swamp. I was a member. I was in uh, Department of Mind Control. You know, that was what I did. And I had an awakening. And, and so my default has always been fight, fight punch, force. And I've had to realize that that created disease within, within me, physical, mental, other disease. I think we're seeing that now, right now. I've watched from afar your journey over the last two or three years, uh, some of your posts and the changes and the shifts. And you went over two years. You've had a journey over two years that it took me 46 to have. And some people are learning. You know, For years, I had a save the world mentality. And it's like, I got to do it. And politics is about saving the world. And I realized yeah. eh, politics is about saving politicians. And sure. so what I've learned to do is tune it all out. Like, I don't yeah. care about stuff. No. Like, I, I don't, I care about humans. I care about humanity. But, you know, I don't do hashtag campaigns because there's suffering going on around the world all the time. And you can see when you step back and you have, and you're an observer without taking a side you look at, well, why do they care about this? But they don't care about that. And, and you kind of laugh it off. Like suddenly people who could never find Ukraine on a map are putting Ukrainian flags and et cetera. And that doesn't take away from Ukraine. But what about China? 
Like, what about these other yeah. things? And I'm not saying yeah, get worked up about all of it. What I'm saying is step back and say, all right, I'm not going to let them control my mind. And that's what happens when you get angry, when you get mad at the world, when you want to save the world, you actually become a useful idiot, right? Because that's they can what take I, that's you to your state. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I say that as someone who was a useful idiot for a long, long, mm-hmm. long time. And so, you know, I was still in that part of my journey when I wrote the book. And, and now really, uh, you mentioned that you were meditating before we get in here. I mean, I was up at 445. I, I was yesterday, I had a session with an intuitive healer yesterday. I mean, this is stuff that three years ago, I would have said, you're crazy, you're nuts. But one thing I've learned over the past couple of years is that, and, and when you talk about building freedom, is that freedom isn't something you can strive for or go get. Freedom is something you're born with and it's your default, but we forget about it. And we forget about it just like we forget about our true selves. And you used the word ego before. Our ego gets in the way and attaches onto identity. Identity. I can't say that word. Identity. And people get offended when we talk about identity. I just interviewed uh, Jason Gregory, who's an Eastern philosopher. And he writes about Taoism and Buddhism. And they were talking about identity and the problem with identity 2,500 years ago. And it had nothing to do with pronouns or the trans debate and all that. It had to do with if you attach yourself to an identity that is not your true self, you're creating an illusion. So Jason writes a book and he was writing about Taoism. His new book that's coming out probably in a year or two is about Taoism. And he's got a chapter on identity. It has nothing to do with the debates going on today. His publisher was like, yeah, we're involved. We're we're into it. We're into it. We're into it. They got to that chapter. Sorry, we can't publish it. Proving his point. And so that ego, I've come to believe, you know, I used, I was raised in the religious world and Catholic schools and all that. And I've really come to believe that when you look at old spiritual texts, they all talk about freedom as your default. And they all talk about the the fact that freedom's there. We don't create it. It's there. It's flowing in the river. We just have to jump in. But what we do is we create a wall of crap. We create a wall of, of, of identity and ego, things that, you know, it could be a political party. It could be your organs you have (laughs) on your body. It could be a sports team. It could be, who are you? I'm an American, damn it. Like, you you know, and and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being an American. What I'm saying is it prevents us from knowing our true self. And when we know our true self, that's where freedom is because we keep, we stop trying to wake up every day with a sense of dissatisfaction that we have to go search for freedom. That where we live and and who rules over us determines our freedom. And when I talk about this, there's some people who get really offended. Well, you don't know what it's like. And they have no idea my my background. It's like I've been spit on. I've been sued. I've been pulled through depositions. I've had people go through my dumpster. I've had people take out ads, political ads, attacking me personally in a local newspaper. I've gone through all that. So I know all of it. I've been there. I got the t-shirt. And I'm here to say that that striving that everyone wants us to do, not just in that political realm, but also hustle, grind, just grind it out, go get it. That's a way to burn out. And that's a way that there's an old saying that I'm going to butcher, but it has to do with if we ever found heaven on earth, we'd be dissatisfied because the addiction really was in the searching. So when you actually find it, it's like, wait, what do I do now? So we have to learn to be happy wherever we are, 
wherever, whatever we're doing and that freedom is inside. And that, that's a real different mindset than I had when I wrote my book. And I go through my book and the five pillars still hold. It's just a, a little bit different. Uh, I have a little bit of a different take on them now and kind of working on my next book. <laughs> so <laughs> very cool. Your background though, we can start anywhere you want. Sure. Uh, I don't know what the most appropriate place to start is. The question that would come to mind for me is why did you even, why did you start your agency? Where was that born? I had wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was like nine, always coming up with business ideas. I never really acted on them, but always wanted to do different things. I guess I acted on some, not in any huge way. I just didn't like working for other people. Totally. I just never did. I'm with I you. mean, <laughs> I had a lot of jobs and I remember my my brother got me a job in a uh he, he was in a factory and they did uh, uh, what are they called Venetian blinds. You know those the, the wait, are they Venetian or they're vertical blinds? They're vertical blinds, the one that hang down and they kind of swing. Well, you know they're they're PVC and when they come in the truck, they're like a hundred yards long or a hundred feet long or something. And so when you put all of them in, they weigh a ton. So my job was lifting those up, putting them up, doing inventory. And I remember the guy who owned the place was kind of a jackass, you know? And, and I remember sitting there thinking, you know, someday that guy's going to work for me. Someday I'm going to rule over him, you know? And, and so I always wanted to have my own job. And when I was uh, in my late twenties, we were in DC, uh, originally from Illinois, Chicago, worked on political campaigns, worked in PR agencies, was brought out to DC, was out there for about four years. And I was just bored out there. Like I wanted to work for myself. You know, working on Capitol Hill, unless you're in leadership, is really boring because they just give you talking points and they say, put this out. Like there's no thinking to it. Right. And so I worked for some trade associations and I was doing things and that was fun until. I really wanted to work for myself. My wife got pregnant with our first, who's now 16 years old. Uh, we went, uh, we we're going to move back to Illinois. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to start my own business. People are like, you've never been, you've never run anything. You've never been president of anything. I was like, I didn't get the memo. I'm starting my business. And so yeah. did everyone, I did. Everyone's yeah. always unqualified at a certain point. Yeah. My, you know, my current mentor, my current mentor sounds like I shop around, but he, you know, he, he has a line, you know, when I start overthinking things, which I get want to do, he's, he's like, Kurt, stay dumb and excited, stay dumb and excited. And that sounds, it, it's a very, uh, kind of modernistic uh, saying, but gosh, if you look at the gospel, if you look at Lao Tzu in the Tao Te Ching, if you look at Buddhism, it's all about staying dumb and excited. What do they say? Be more like a child, be childlike, let the children come to me. The children are the ones who are going to get into heaven. Whatever religious or spiritual background, it's all in agreement because children don't have the programming that causes them to overthink and only yeah. play defense. And so in my 20s, I was yeah. like, sure, why not? Let's move across Good. the country, have a kid and do that, you know? So we moved back. I started my company and I grew the heck out of it. And, you know, in high school, I really got excited about politics. My dad was was very conservative, got me in on that and whatever. And then, you know, I remember being in high school during the first Gulf War and we buy, yeah, go get him, go get him. It was like I was on team war and, and you know, it just, it just grew from there. And and I remember, you know, even sitting, uh, I worked for a member of Congress who left in disgrace several years later, but I was in his office. Well, my office, you know, sitting at my desk during the second uh, Iraq war when we bombed them. Remember shock and awe. I remember sitting there watching the, the Colin Powell speech. I was on team war. Yeah, go get them, go get them. And then as the years went by, I'm like, 
the hell was that all about? You know, and, and you start to have this awakening. And the more I went out and the more I worked for big pharma and big food, which is who I was lobbying for over time, I just kind of realized and had an awakening of, I really don't like working for these folks anymore. You know, I had a, I had a health journey that, um, you know, was one where it was taking me in a different direction from the people I was working for. And hell, if I hadn't left four and a half years ago, right now, I wouldn't even be allowed in the buildings of those places for certain reasons that I refuse to put things in my right. body that they <laughs> want course. me to put in. So anyway, so yeah, four and a half years ago, and, and then it became all about money. And I had a lot of money, but I defended it. It was all about defense. And I was thinking while I was hiking yesterday, I said, you know, I was going to post this. Maybe I still will. Is, what's the difference between having money anxiety when you have a lot of money versus money anxiety when you don't have a lot of money? And I'm sure people would jump in and say, oh, these reasons. Uh, the correct answer is there is no difference. Money anxiety is money anxiety. And I shut down my, my, my business. At one point, we brought our bank account down to $250. Now, we have four kids, right? The anxiety was the same then as when I had a million dollars. It's amazing because money is a tool. It can create or it can destroy. And when everything is focused on money, which is solely the material plane, you're never going to have that true freedom because either yeah. you're playing defense or you're worried about it. Either way, money rules your life and treats you like it's bitch. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't matter if you have a lot or money. not. By the way, your if I if I used I used a uh, a profane no. word there, is that okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize for that. Um, no, so you're literally working for money. It's insane. And, and then people hold power over you. Even if you ask them, they'd say, no, we're, we're cool. I don't hold any power over you. But you begin to know it because you see a dollar sign on another person. And so when that person says jump, you say how high. And if I don't jump, right, that person's right. going to fire me. And then I lose that retainer. So that's how, that's how I got into that agency. You know, I grew the heck out of it. And then very quickly and swiftly shut that sucker down. And a lot yeah. of people were surprised, thought I was stupid, thought I was an idiot. They probably still do, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's something that probably 98% of business, specifically uh, digital agency owners, <laughs> they know exactly what you're talking about. When the client says, how high can you jump? And, and you say, how high? Yeah. You'll bend over backwards. You, you do everything. Oh, yeah, you, we can do that. You're not happy with that. Well, yeah, we'll fix it, blah, blah, blah. And it's really just a, a hellish <laughs> way to live. Is there an antidote to that while still running that type of business? Or I, There is. I mean, I think, I think it goes back to your ideal clients and not letting in the door people who are going to treat you like that. And then structuring your team as such so that you have a team who can handle things and taking yourself out from the beginning so you don't set an expectation that they own you, the owner. Because there were, I tried to shift and I had a team and tried to shift those people in and they were very capable. But after years, you know, clients become very Pavlovian, right? You ring the doorbell, they start salivating. And it's like, no, 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 we, we pay, we're paying for you, Kurt. We're paying for you. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, if I drop dead today, what's my wife going to do? You know, and so it's like that type of thing. And so you try to slide people in and they're like, no, Kurt, you need to be on the 7 a.m. calls, not him, yeah. you know? And so well, you got to create a business that, that you're not the face of really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a faceless it's tough to business. Do. Most it's agency tough to owners, do. It, it is. It is. Yeah. 
could I have switched my business around to do that? Yeah, it probably would have taken two, probably two or three years. And I just didn't want to, I didn't even want to salvage it at that point. I was done. Well, did you, I mean, is it fair to say you didn't need to, you had enough in the bank where you could just say, screw it. Or were you totally like, I don't, I don't care what I have in the bank. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, I I didn't have enough. I didn't have as much as I should have. Let me put it that way, because you know the level of your lifestyle arises in if you're if you're dumb like me, lifestyle inflation. Income. I did have some retirement that we we did tap into afterwards, so that did provide a cushion. One thing I've learned with coaching people over the last four years or so is that that level of money in the savings account doesn't matter if you have a mindset that there's never enough. Uh, I just had this discussion with a client and it was our first session and he he really wants to get out of his job and he thinks they might shut down the company and he's been holding off building his other thing. And so we're talking about it. I said, what are your biggest fears? And da, 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 that, you know, surviving. I said, well, you know, can I ask how much you have in the bank? And he's like, oh, we could survive for seven years hmm. without working. And I was like, okay, I just want to let you know that you're better off than like almost 100% of the people, you know, <laughs> right. and, and, but he still, it was still a prison. And that's what I mean. That money anxiety, you could have a million in the bank or nothing in the bank, but you still start thinking about, Oh my gosh, but what about year eight? What about year eight? If I don't make any income over the next seven years. So I was done really. I went to my wife and I thought she was going to be upset. And, and she said, it's about time. I, I, my health was horrible. Uh, mm. I wasn't being a great dad, a great husband. I was 60 pounds heavy. Well, at this point, probably 80 pounds heavier. I lost a bunch of weight recently. And I was on a cocktail of prescription drugs and just having anxiety attacks. That has been an issue my whole life. And finally, I was like, I'm done. I'm done because I'm going to die. And so at that point, it was like the realization of I'm going to die if I don't shut down this business. And I know, I know because, you know, the, the people come out of the woodwork on, uh, in comments and all that, like, oh, you just got to toughen up. You don't know what it's, uh, uh. it's like, all right, when you get to that point, you get to that point. And a lot of people don't hit that point till they're 40, 45, 50. But when you hit that point, you, you either have two choices. One is I'm just going to run out the clock until I die or right. I'm going to make a change. And I was like, I'm done. I'm sick of this. I'm angry all the time at everyone. I'm done. And in hindsight, there's a lot of decisions. You know, Steve Jobs had the quote about, um, you can't connect the dots moving forward. You can only connect them moving backward. Every time I've listened to my intuition and made a big decision that people thought was stupid, I look back and sometimes it's 16 years later and it's like, wow, how did I know? I mean, our decision to homeschool has always looked good, but over the last two years has looked great. Our decision to move out of Illinois, well, we knew that was a good decision as soon as we did it. And then we were living on a a, a big plot of land in South Carolina during lockdowns where the kids could run around and and do all these things. You know, there's these decisions, you know, the decision to shut down my company because about a year and a half later, all of my clients put holds on or fired all their outside consultants during the lockdowns. My company would have been taken from me anyways. And I decided to stop it, rebuild it up on my own terms. And so when all that happened, I was like, I'm feeling pretty good right now. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) So So how is the, I'll put it this way. You on the surface stopped one business to start another business. 
How yeah. is the structure of this business different? How how does this make you a free man and the other one made you imprisoned? It's a journey because there's times that I'm making some changes now where I didn't feel free. You know, and you know, when I say it's a journey, I still do stuff. I'm still healing. I'm still on a healing journey. I, I still do stuff that puts me in a prison. And so you're never, it's never like, oh, hey, you know, I recently made the decision, for instance, and I had started some things along this track before uh, whatever we want to call it happened, all the lockdowns and all that, right? And so I had to make a switch, right? I was doing a lot of live events, things like that. And it's like a month before, actually, I decided I'm not going to do that anymore. Well, then I, so then I got more into one-on-one coaching, right? And all that. And I've never really loved one-on-one coaching. It's nothing against my clients, nothing against Mm one-on-one coaching, but I, I feel like I'm back where I was when I was at my agency. Someone owns me to get on the phone, you know, that type of thing. So I'm going back to building my freedom circle, which is a, an online group. And if people are like, no, 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 I need one-on-one. Okay, go, go to someone else. Um, but building back up that freedom and, and we had, you know, we were, we were, um, we were in, uh, we were traveling in Italy in 2018, 2019. I had my freedom club accelerator going, no calls. I would log into base camp. I would send people, I would post content. I would text with them and then I was done, you know? And so I, I, what happened to that? You know, um, there's a lot of coaches out there who would make you think their poop don't stink, Right. I'm very open in that I screw up big time. I suffer. I do things where I shoot myself in the foot. That is the opposite of what I tell my clients to do. I'm human. It happens. I brought a guy in who gained my trust. He was helping me with sales and direction. And he really gained my trust. And and I, I had a team of like eight or nine people building the exact thing that I was leaving. And he had an interest. I take a hundred percent responsibility. I gave too much power and energy to him and mind share and allowed him to lead me in a direction. I didn't want to go in a number of different directions. I didn't want to go. And it was only when I caught him lying to me about clients that were on the hook, big fish that were on the hook that didn't even exist. And then learned from another friend who was using him that he did the kind of the same thing and turned my friend and I against each other. It's a very odd thing. At the time, you know, I had kind of studied what Putin and China were doing, you know, where and, and the 2016 elections where he just wanted to stabilize. He didn't care who won. He just wanted to make everyone doubt everyone else, right? Turn brother against brother. And that's what this guy was doing. And the more he did it, the more I relied on him for stability. And I gave my power. And in hindsight, I was like, what a dumb person I was, right? Yeah, but it happens. It happens. It's a learning experience. And and so a lot of those things I look back, I'm like, why did I stop that? And you ask that question, it's like, it's a good question. I have no idea. I gave my power up to him and he had me do four different tracks in a year. I'm back on track now, you know? And and uh, and then I, I, I kind of almost, I brought the business down. So in 2020, I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> on March 6th, my wife and I went, there's a comedian, I don't know if you know him, Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah, of course him. I like him, yes. He's a Chicago Italian like me. He went to my yeah. wife's college, was there when she was there and all that. So we, we follow him. We went to a show he had on March 6th. I remember we went out to dinner and I was like, what? What's this thing going on? This Corona? What is it? Da-da-da. It's like March 6th because in South Carolina, it's like we had moved there. And we're talking about it. And I said, this is South Carolina. 
they can they can lock down and do crazy stuff in like Oregon and whatever. It ain't, it ain't happening here. Right. His first joke of his show was about people wearing masks. That was the first joke. Wow. And March 6th of 2020? Or? Yeah. Oh, wow. Six or seven days later, we were locked down. And and then he, he canceled his tour, right? And so it's mm. like, oh my gosh. April 29th, which as we record this is in what, uh, 20 days, 23 days. Uh, my wife's taking me to Vegas for my birthday and we're going to see Sebastian Maniscalco to celebrate nice. the, you know, kind of a whatever. But so that all happened. I didn't like it. I'm like, we're in South Carolina. It's going to be cool. They reacted like a, like a city that we didn't think we lived in. And then came the summer and my friend calls me and says, are you seeing what's happened in downtown Charleston? Now, if you've ever been in downtown Charleston, South Carolina, it's a small little city and everyone's pretty close to it. You know, we could drive there in 15 minutes from our house. And I get on there and uh, a weatherman happened to be, like an old weatherman who used to, is a former Marine, happened to be out for his anniversary. And as he was leaving the restaurant, a brick came through the window. Hmm. So he grabs his phone and starts live streaming the destruction or attempted destruction of downtown Charleston during the riots that had plagued everywhere else. And they're like, it could never happen here. And now I'm from Chicago. I told my wife, watch. This episode is sponsored by Riverside.fm. People always ask me, how do you get your podcast sounding so crisp and clean? Well, Riverside.fm is one of the best tools to get your podcast sounding super professional. It is the easiest way to record podcasts and videos in studio-grade quality from anywhere in the world, all from your browser. So it's super simple, too. And at the same time, has super advanced features like recording both audio and video locally, as opposed to over the internet. So the end result is that you and your guest sound like you're in the same room. So visit riverside.fm and use my code Jordan, capital J, to get 60 minutes free recording and 15% off a membership plan. The 15% discount is applicable to yearly plans or the first three months of monthly plans. Riverside.fm, code Jordan, to get your podcast sounding crisp, clean, and professional. We've got a very different kind of sponsor for this episode, and it's the Jordan Harbinger Show, which is a podcast you really should be listening to. And I know that every day someone tells you, you just have to listen to some podcasts, and you nod, and you say, sure, and then you never really listen to it. Don't let that happen here. Jordan Harbinger was actually a guest on this show. I talked to him when he was just starting out the Jordan Harbinger show. It went on to become a smash hit, like millions, millions, millions of downloads every single month. Apple named it one of its best podcasts in 2018. And two episodes that I listened to very early on that still to this day, four years later, still stick out to me. One of them is episode number 28, James Fallon, How to Spot a Psychopath. And then episode number one, Frank Abagnale, Scam Me If You Can. Frank Abagnale, if you recall, was the subject of the really great movie called Catch Me If You Can. Look, plain and simple, supporting my sponsors helps me make this show for you as best as possible. If you go and download Jordan's show... After hearing this ad, he'll continue shoveling money in our direction. So show The Jordan Harbinger Show some love. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show, that's H-A-R-B-I-N-G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen. Thank you for the support.
If you're looking for a new podcast to add to your tool belt, your repertoire, then I've got the one for you. True Underdog with Jason Waller. Raised in a trailer park with no clear path to success, kicked out of high school multiple times, and faced with becoming a father in his teens, Jason is literally the definition of a true underdog. And today, Jason's the CEO of Power Home Solar. He's got over 2,000 employees, so obviously a breadth of business experience that we can all learn from. On the True Underdog podcast, which by the way has over 180,000 subscribers, he's interviewed Kevin O'Leary, Rick Ross, Barry Sanders. So again, if you're looking for a new podcast similar to this, because you know I don't release episodes as often as you may like me to, perhaps, well, True Underdog with Jason Waller, that's a great podcast for you. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, really whatever platform you like to listen on, the one you're listening on right now. Just see what happens, you know, and it was outside agitators. The rumor is that the mayor gave the stand down order to the, the sheriff came out and said the mayor gave the stand down order to the police. And I'm like, you know what? No one seemed to care. Just no one seemed to care there. And I said, that was it. I said, we're out of here. We're out of here. This place has disappointed me and we're done. And we put our house up for sale. We had a 4,000 square foot home that was going to be our forever home, our retirement home. I said, we're done. I just don't want this anymore. And we hit the road. I mean, they canceled stuff that our kids were in, a play, stuff like that, right? Yeah. And so we hit the road. Everything that we couldn't fit into our minivan or a five by five storage bin, we either gave up, gave away, or sold for like nothing. And we hit the road and we traveled around. We went up to the mountains for a while. We went to the beaches. We went to the desert. We pulled into Sedona and just felt this incredible energy here. And we're like, let's stay a while. So we grabbed a house here. We're here through the end of this year. But the one thing I will say about that is, and this is something that I don't have an answer for. It's something that I'm I'm trying to figure out. Your Your environment is important, right? If you don't like your environment, get up and leave. You know, I think that's important. But. You should also be able to be free wherever you are. You know, Victor yeah. Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning found freedom in a concentration camp. You know, Nelson Mandela, if you read him, three decades, almost three decades in, in jail, found freedom. So we should be able to find freedom wherever we are. Now, that's not to say, if you don't like where you're at, just get up and leave. I mean, that's part of a realization of it. And so it's, it's I, I, I kind of go back and forth on that. Like if we had stayed there, we would have felt free. But it's also like we had the freedom to just get up and go. And I know some people, I'm trapped here. I can't leave this state. I get, you can do whatever the heck you want. Get up and go. You know, if you don't like what they're making your kids do in school, then don't let them do it to your kids. It's like at a very, very, at the super most basic level, people give up their freedom to other people for because of programming. And it's like, folks, like at a very basic level, don't let them do things to your kids that you don't want them to do. Now, hey, if you don't care about it, that's that's cool too. Like I tell people, if you don't do it, but if you're like really physically, ethically opposed to what they're doing to your kids and they say they make them do this, no one can make you or your kids do anything that you don't want to do. No one can make you do anything you don't want to do. Are there going to be consequences and repercussions? Yeah, but you still have a choice. Yeah, we we were done with Charleston, but- could I, should I have been able to be free living there? Absolutely. Yeah. But we were also done with it. <laughs> and, and by the way, we're 
extremely, I, I can't even describe Sedona and the energy here and the synchronicities that have happened since we've moved here and the healing and just some crazy things. So nice. Oh, I've enjoyed watching that journey and you traveling and across the country and Sedona. And yeah, it's definitely a place I'll have to check out. I've been to Arizona one time and it is, it is a pretty beautiful area, very clean. I also like to, I like a lot of the modern houses they're building over there too. I might have to get me a nice house over there, but that's a materialistic uh, possession that's actually going to enslave me if I buy it too soon. <laughs> I'm going to have to end up yeah. working for that too hard. That's, and that's, you know, I don't know that I'll ever own a house again. Wow. And, that's yeah, a, people, let's talk about that. I've actually talked to some financial people who are like, yeah, I don't blame you. But there's other people who are like, no, you don't understand. You know, people, everything has become a religion. What you eat is a religion and it's tribal. How you invest your money has become tribal. You know, and I'm not saying either is good or bad, but oh my gosh, if you're not into crypto, what is wrong with you? You are part of the problem, you know? And if you don't do that, mm-hmm. I'm never going to own a home again. Why? I've bought and I've sold homes. I had a financial advisor tell me maybe four years ago, he, and he prefaced it by saying, I know this is going to be different than everything you've heard. Your home is not an asset. And I was like, what? He said, add up everything over the life of your home. Everything that you put into it, the new plumbing that you got to fix, the new paint you got to put on, the carpet that went, whatever, whatever it is, the new deck you got to replace. He's like, really see how much money you've made by the end. He said, unless you're looking to flip it, right? You buy it. Like here, the price of a home went up. I have someone who went from 500 to 1.2 million in two years. All right, if you're going to flip that, great. But then where are you going to move? Where are you going to live? You know, so you haven't gained anything. And I've, I've bought and I've sold a number of homes over the past 20 years. And I'm about even. And in the midst of owning it, I'm under the control of a bank. You don't really own it unless you pay cash. Yeah, yeah, totally. like, home ownership is, is BS. You're paying the, the bank rent for the home. And so I'm just done with that. And I'm, I'm, I'm also in a place where I'm really trying to live more uh, spontaneously. So if after this year we're done with Sedona, we're up. Hey, see ya. That's great. We're going. Yeah, no, you have no ties. You have complete yeah. location freedom. Yeah. What, the devil's advocate, I'll play. I agree with you. Don't want to be a slave to the bank. But at the same time, my property enables me to be free in many different ways. Like, for example, mortgage is 1500 a month. And what I can do is turn around and rent it because Southwest Florida is insane sure. uh, for $6,000 per month. And so all of a sudden now I've got a net of 4,500 bucks a month. Dude, I'm free. Right. <laughs> that's, right. You know, I'm 24. My expenses aren't that high. That's it. That's it. That's done. All good to go. And now I can go travel wherever I want and it's paying for that. So like I can turn it into an asset anytime I want just because I was strategic about right. the home that I bought. Yeah, I think I think you're right on with everything you said if that's what you want to do. I wouldn't come here and buy a house. Now, I think they're saying, I don't know, 50% of the homes here are rentals and Airbnbs and they're going to start limiting them and they're going to quash. Yeah, wow. And so Airbnb owners are really nervous. So yeah, this is yeah. where I'm getting at with it. In the current environment, in the current environment, uh, that's great. What's going to happen to the banks yes. 
if there's a cyber attack? What's going to happen when we're at 40 trillion instead of 30, 30 or 33 trillion? What's going to happen to the economy and doing all those things? Now, we can never we can never guess, we can never know what's going on. What happens if a big bank decides that you have to be vaccinated in order to have an account there? <laughs> oh, or to man. Come in, that right? crazy. Yeah. And so, and people may say, that's nuts. That's what. Uh, Listen, I've been here every step of the way working in the depths of DC. And what I will tell you is the joke in my house is what's the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth? Well, it's down to two weeks now. And so (laughs) we, the current economic trajectory is unsustainable. I, could I go and buy somewhere and do what you talked about? Yes. It wouldn't be in Sedona because the bar to get in on a house in Sedona, even a small house is pretty big. And then you got to rent it out. So that's a big risk. And then when the market fit, you know what I mean? We're, we're, yes, the bubble here is like so crazy that it's nuts. Yeah. You know, the type of home that we want and the type of home we want to live in with four kids is a little bit different. You know, our home in Johns Island is not one that we could rent out. And we did that strategically because we wanted a two and a half acre house on the water that was going to be our forever home. And what we realized was things changed and we stopped liking the area. You know, so there's a lot of those things going into play. When I say I'll never own my home, does that mean I'll never own property? No. There might be a case where I do that. You know, I have a friend who owned, oh, he had a beautiful property in France that he can't visit anymore. So there's just all those interesting things in the end. There's going to be a massive crackdown on Airbnbs here. What happens to all those people's investments? I talked to a guy here. He's like, they're yeah. going to take away my retirement. Now you can do long-term rentals. You can do those sorts of things. I'm kind of looking at the at the current situation, seeing where we are and looking at some things. We've made some investments that are going to be take care of us in terms of some insurance properties and things like that. But even then, we're, we're in a situation where all of a sudden, our insurance company, we had term life insurance. Oh, it's a mutual company. Ah, da, da. Great, great, great. My financial advisor is running around the clock now trying to figure out to move it because a billionaire in Canada bought it and is changing the entire structure of the company. So our entire investments were at the whim of this guy who's changing it. Right. And so it's you just got to look at those things and realize that if you put all your freedom eggs in an external basket, I think part of the non-ownership, and this is where I'm at now, like like I said, it's a journey. Maybe I'll change my mind in two years, you know, seeing what happens, is I don't want to own anything right now. I want to strip away I want to strip away my ego and kill my ego. And I have this is one of five shirts I own. And it's the only non-gray Amazing. shirt I own. I have a gray shirt. I have like three pairs of shorts. You know what I realized was a stressor? Shaving my head every week. I'm I'm actually growing my hair out. My kids don't even recognize me. I just like those little things that have ownership over you where you think you own them. Yeah. I'm just trying to get rid of all of it. And one of the things we realized by traveling around the country and living in Airbnbs is like, even my wife noticed, she's like, I just don't even care what hangs on the walls. Like these are like some of the only things we have of our own that hang on the walls. And I I even, I was like, if I put them up, I'm going to use it as a reminder that they're not me. You know what I mean? That it's not my ego. But other than that, we don't have much. We furnished our entire house from Goodwill and Facebook Marketplace for like yes. nothing. And and we don't, if if something happens again, we'll just leave it here. You know, I mean, it's it's like, we just don't care anymore. And so that's, 
that may change in two years. And hey, I'm going to own a property and own that. But yeah. I remember sitting on the deck of a, uh, we were on a, at a house on the beach, an Airbnb. We went back to South Carolina for the holidays two years ago and we're on the beach and it was right there. And I'm like, man, what happened? What do you think happens to this place during a hurricane? Da, 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 da. And I stopped myself and I looked at my wife and I said, ain't our problem, is it? She yeah. Said, not, nope. I was going to say that. Not your problem. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, there's some of that stuff that goes along with it. Plumbing problems and things like that. We had a plumbing problem here and I'm like, call the landlord. It's not my yeah. problem. <laughs> Dude, I, I love the extreme that you're taking this freedom to. You're doing it in a much different way. Um, and I appreciate this perspective. I, I'm, dude, I'm totally with you. Like that's freedom. I, I get stressed out about the clothes in my closet. I said to my girlfriend the other week, I was like, we need to get rid of the 80% of clothes that we only wear 20% of the time. I wear Kurt, these same five shirts, same five shorts. Uh, and really I gravitate towards the same underwear as well and the same socks. Yeah. Okay. I don't need all of this stuff. It's too much. You know, I'm with you, man. That inspires me to go take all that stuff to Goodwill and just get the heck rid of it because more, more is less, man. More is less freedom. More stuff is less freedom. What was, there was like a Netflix special. I think she had a book. This was like, or was a series Maybe it wasn't even Netflix. I don't know. Maybe four years ago. And it was kind of, I think she did like feng shui of yeah, I know home you're and throwing stuff out. Joy. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was, Maybe it was a whole that, phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and her thing was exactly correct, which was, uh, I don't want to say correct. If you choose not to do it, don't do it. I, I'm trying to get away from any any sense of right or wrong. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's, and, there's many ways to do this. There's many ways to achieve freedom, whatever your vision is for it. You know, absolutely. If you feel free, that's awesome. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with stuff as long as it doesn't control you and 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 do that. But her thing was like, look in your closet. If it brings you joy, keep it. If it doesn't, yes, don't. Yes. And, uh, you know, I think Tim Ferriss writes about this. Either make it a hell yes or a no. And so Derek even Sivers. now, like- Derek Sivers. Is he, well, you know what's interesting? Is <laughs> and I think and Derek, Tim Ferriss talks about it. You are right. Told, yes. Yeah. Because he's in he's in tools, right? Or tools or- Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Titans, one, yeah. He's and that CD is in that right? book. Yeah. yeah, CD babies. Yeah, yeah. So that, I stole it from Tim, who who got it from Derek. And it's true. Everything in your life, like, why am I doing this? I'm not going to do it. And there's all these rules that people have, right? You can't do that. You can't just fire a client because you don't want to work with them. There's there's this great. Oh, I love it. And you know, now we can't even talk about the guy because he was canceled. But Louis C.K., you know, the comedian, he had a special, and it's one of my favorite stories, where he was running late. And he had a rental car and he's like, he's running late and he, he kind of forgets and goes into the parking, the regular parking instead of the rental lot. And he goes in there's like, oh, wait, I'm going to miss my plane. Uh, uh, right, whatever. He sucks. leaves the cars in. He's walking away. He just leaves it in the regular parking, like short-term parking calls the rental and said, Hey, yeah, I parked in uh, section D five. And, and the guy goes, you can't do that. And he says, oh, that's their problem. I just car. did. And he just hangs up. <laughs> And so I urge, I urge my clients, I tell them that story. I'm like, just do it and say, I just did. You can't do that. I remember I fired a client yeah. and he's like, he was so mad at me because I did it over email. And I realized that I have a problem saying no. 
Now people are going to say, well, that's weak, Kurt. You did it over email. You did it over email, blah, blah, blah. The only reason that we want to talk to people face to face is so that we can vent and yell at them. That was literally the only reason the guy, he wanted the chance to talk me out of it and then to yell at me. Exactly. The ch- that that's it. the other thing, to, the chance <laughs> to talk you out of it. Like, no, the decision's yeah. made. Yeah. And so is that about me? No, that's about him. And so a lot of these rules we have in society, I just don't live by. And the yeah. more we live by them, it just keeps you back. And it's like, ah, you know what? I don't want to. And it's funny. they, The people in my life who are really religious, who like to quote the Bible and say that rich people are bad because Jesus said it would be, you know, it's harder, easier to pass through the eye of a needle than to, you know, I'm paraphrasing it, than for a wealthy person to go into heaven. And people take that to say, Jesus said, if you're rich, you're bad. And I believe what he was talking about was a consciousness. You can have all the money in the world, but if it owns you, you're impoverished, right? And so that gets in the way of your true spirituality. That takes you off track. The same people who would quote that story to me when we told them that we were selling everything and traveling, they said, are you crazy? Are you nuts? I said, what happened? We're We're doing what you said to do. Oh, but, you know, it's like- I didn't mean it, you know? And, and so we're learning it. It's still a journey. And when you learn it, then it's like you buy one thing and you're like, whoa, I get nervous. Like we, all of a sudden we had a couch. What is this? I own this couch. Like now I have to protect it. <laughs> right. Like what is this? Yeah, put it it's, in it's, storage. Like what am I going to do with this if I leave storage? Sell, what? I could, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Little things stress all of us out. And little yeah. things cause suffering. And a lot of that suffering is the striving, is the wanting more is the hustle and yes. grind. And, and that's where most personal development people live is on the actions. But if you don't clear out the beliefs that you need that stuff and that you're not worthy if you don't have that stuff, yeah. then all the actions in the world, they're going to lead you in an endless pit of looking for something that you'll never find because what you find is already there and it's in the present moment. But yeah. we're always focused on tomorrow, 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 tomorrow and hustle and grind and, you know? And that's where lack of freedom comes in. Yeah. My man, Kurt Mercadante, is a non-conforming, free human <laughs> being. Beautiful spot to leave it, Kurt. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Jordan. It's been a pleasure.